Well, how is everybody doing this morning? Annie did such a great job with that. That was completely, she asked if she could do it. We were, we had been talking about, okay, we're going to do a Christmas play or something this year. And, you know, Robin was like, oh, I've got too much on my plate. Jess was in the same. And then Annie's like, I've got a play that I've been wanting to write. Can we just do it? And we're like, sure thing, Annie. It's great when they take the initiative and they, they want to have the fun with it. So great job for all of them. Hallelujah. Well, Father, we just thank you for this time where we can open your word, and we just give you honor right now in the name of Jesus. We look to you for your instruction and your wisdom. Hallelujah. Why don't we do this this morning? Let's go a little bit different. Why don't you grab the hand of the person sitting beside you, and let's pray one for another. That's right. If you're off by yourself, slip over and say, right now, Father, we just thank you for the person sitting on the left or the right of us. We just thank you right now. We speak healing to their bodies in the name of Jesus. Whatever ails them, we command it to leave now in the name of Jesus. If they are needing wisdom, Lord, right now we ask that you give unto them liberally your wisdom so that they may have insight and instruction and where to go and how to do, Lord. Right now, whatever they are facing, Lord, we know that you are more than enough for them, that you are their, their solution right now in Jesus' name. And so we thank you, Holy Spirit, by your power that you make wrong things right in the name of Jesus right now from the top of our heads down to the soles of our feet. We thank you, Father, for those that are needing opportunity and new jobs. We command those doors to open now in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, for those who are needing that peace in their life. You said that you left your your peace, and so we speak peace to them in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. The Bible says pray one for another, and so I think we got to do that more and more often. Well, last week we were in Luke chapter 5, and I want to go right back there again today and jump off where we left off last week. In Luke chapter 5, and in verse 1, it says, so it was. As the multitudes pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And so we told you last week that this is a point in Jesus' ministry where he's been, the crowds have been increasing and he's been on his own. In chapter 4 it told us that he, uh, he was trying to leave a region and there was just too many. They just kept like, no, you can't leave us, we want to hear more. And it says that they pressed about him. And so Jesus finds himself in the position of under understanding, I cannot do it myself. And if Jesus comes to that revelation, how much more us? Come on, you cannot do it alone. You need help. You need support. You need, you know, there's times where we think we've got it all together, but an outside perspective shows us that, you know, there's more. There, there, there's other things that the Lord can increase you in. And you've been settling for this, and he wants to increase you. And so we need to understand, you cannot do it alone. The Bible says that only a fool isolates himself. And it says the one who wants friends must show himself friendly. What a concept. <laughs> and so Jesus comes to the understanding, I cannot do this myself. I'm going to need some help. 
And so in, the, in chapter 5 here, he begins to call his disciples. And, you know, we have the here in the chat, Luke 5 is the calling of the main three, Peter, James, and John. But we know beyond that, there was the 12. Beyond that, there was the 70. There was the 120. There was the 500. The Lord had a big work to do, and he wanted lots of people involved. And the thing in your life, the farther you want to go, the more help you're going to need. And the first place we need help from is from the Lord. And so that's what's going on here in Luke chapter 5. Jesus is hitting that point where he can't do it on his own. And the story even starts that way. The multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God. And he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out from them, and they were washing their nets. And then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down, and he taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he says to Simon Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and we've caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. And so they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and to help them. And they came and they filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And also there were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon Peter. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Or maybe we're more familiar with the way it's worded in, in uh, Matthew and Mark where he says, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. This is Jesus redirecting Peter and James and John's life. Up until this point, you have been doing it this way. You've been, fish you've been good fishermen. You've been doing this for a living. I've got a new living for you. I'm going to transform the calling of your life and from now on you will catch men and so it says so when they had brought their boats to the land they forsook all and followed him they forsook all and followed him and so this is the story where we were last week with this with Peter and really what we were talking about last week was connection and we talked about that Peter had been connecting things to what Jesus had said. And I asked you the question, what are you connecting together? When it comes to everything that goes on in our lives, you can take a negative situation and you can connect the positive in Christ realities and the promises of God to it. You can say, this may be so, but here's what the Word of God says about it. I am going over. I'm not going under. This is not going to be for my detriment. This is going to turn around and be used for my good. You can take a negative situation and you can connect the positive power of 
Jesus Christ to it, and you can watch that situation change. And so we were talking about connection. And why are we talking about connection? Well, in the second half of 2023, we have been talking about faith. And sometimes talking about it with a little bit different language or a little bit different direction can help bring some better understanding to you. What faith is, is connecting to what the Lord has already said is there on your behalf. Remember, we told you that faith does not make God do anything. It receives from the outstretched open hand of God who has already provided has the, the Peter told us in the, in Second Peter, he said that he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He uses the past tense there. When Jesus finished at the cross, he said, it is finished or it is done. Paul said that you are complete in Christ Jesus. And so when we look at the verbiage of the New Testament, we begin to understand God has done all that he's going to do, and our job is we just connect with that promise, and we say, that's exactly how it is. That's what I believe. And so when we're talking about connection, what are you connecting together? There's things that you can know, but unless you plug them into the equation, they will do you no benefit. And so we were talking about what Peter was connecting. And so the command that God gave to Peter was what? He said, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. The first thing that Peter connected to it was this. But is a conjunction. It's a connecting word. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and we've caught nothing. What was the first thing that Peter connected to the command of the Lord? God, I'm tired. I have fished all night, and I've caught nothing. That's not a very good thing to connect. Because I understand normally when we preach out of Luke 5, we're like, man, let's talk about the net breaking, boat sinking provision of the Lord. And we get all shouting. The first thing that Peter connected was, I'm tired. Brings a little bit different perspective to it. I've been in the boat all night, Lord. I know how this works. If I haven't caught it by now, I'm not going to catch it later. That's why we're cleaning the nets right now. That's why we're mending the nets, Lord. And that's where Jesus found them. They were sitting in their boats, mending and cleaning their nets. And so the Lord said to Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets. And Peter said, I'm tired, but I guess I'll be a little obedient. And at your word, I'll let down the net. What was Peter saying? I don't want to reclean those ones. I don't want to remend those ones. I already know we're not catching anything. I'll give you the leftover net that we haven't cleaned yet. The one we haven't got to mending yet. I don't, I don't lose anything out of my resources if I give you this net. But in order to give you these nets, that could cause me more effort. And more energy. It's interesting when you actually look at what the Bible says, how it brings a different perspective. Peter is only saying this to please the Lord, saying, okay, fine, uh, I will appease you in this moment. 
You know, I could think about this is not Peter's first time that he's met the Lord. In the chapter before, the Lord has already been to his house. And there was his sick mother-in-law. And the Lord came to her and spoke to the fever. And the fever left. So Peter already knows that there's power in the word of the Lord. But do you have to understand that your connection will rob that power out of the situation? How you choose to connect will determine the harvest that you're going to receive. Come on. And so much we look at God's side of it. And you have to know that God's side of the connection never lets up. Because even with Peter's half-hearted obedience and the letting down of one net and the going out into the shallows, because that's what he did. Jesus said, go out into the deep. Peter went out into the shallows. How do we know? They were able to yell to the other boat and say, we need some help. They obviously weren't far enough away that they couldn't hear them. God said, go way out. And they stayed close enough that they could call for help. And so God's side of the connection never lets up. And so even with Peter's half-hearted obedience, the mercy of the Lord was still there. He said, let down your nets, and Peter gave a net. And he began to sink with one net. Come on. But that was not what the Lord wanted him to be prepared to receive. The Lord wasn't planning on filling one net. He was filling all the nets. And so God's side of the connection never lets up. And that what that connection is, is his side of grace. His unmerited and his undeserved favor never lets up and never gives up. It doesn't take into consideration how good you've been or how bad you've been. God's side is God's side, and it's always on. And when it comes even to our salvation, it says that we are saved by grace through True faith. So grace was God's side of the connection. Faith was you laying hold and saying, I believe that Jesus did what he said he did. And I receive that now and I step into the kingdom as one of his sons and his daughters. And so God's side of the connection never lets up, but it tends to be that our side of the connection can be inconsistent. And so when it, the first thing that Peter connected was... He connected his tiredness. Lord, I'm tired. Come on, we've all been there. There's been times where I felt the unction of the Lord and I said that. Lord, I'm tired. I don't want to do it. (laughs) Come on. But when the Lord speaks, the answer should be yes. Whatever it is you want, Lord, here I am to do it. I know that you've got the resources and you've got more than enough energy to keep me going. Oh, thank God for the Holy Ghost. It says that when we pray in the Spirit, that it brings rest and refreshing to our being. So who cares about your tiredness? Who cares about what you've already done? Who cares about how long you've already toiled? Go ahead and step out in faith when he tells you to launch out in the deep. Put down the nets. There's a catch coming. You go, yes, Lord, there is a catch coming. You better get those fillet knives all get ready up because we're going to be gutting some fish, getting them ready for market because the Lord said there's going to be a catch. But he said, I'm tired, Lord. And we've all been there. And if we jump over to Matthew chapter 26. And in Matthew chapter 26, we find Jesus in one of his moments of tiredness. And this is in the garden in Matthew 26. Where he's brought Peter and James and John to pray with him. And support him before being arrested and going to the cross. 
And it says that the pressure on him was so great in that moment that he began to sweat drops of blood. He was under such strain and such pressure. And he says to the Lord, Lord, I don't want to do it, but who cares about what I want? Whatever your will is, that's what I do. And it, he, so he brings Peter, James, and John alongside to pray with him in his moment of need. And in verse 40, it says, Then he came to his disciples. He, Jesus left them a distance off, and he went to pray. And when he came back to them, it says, He found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me for one hour? I only wanted one hour from you, Peter. But I love what he says next. He says, Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. For the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. That's another way of saying God's side never lets up, but sometimes you're going to have to tell your flesh to shut up and put up and get going. He said your spirit is indeed willing. Your spirit wants to stay and pray with me. Your spirit wants to watch and pray, but you got to do something about your flesh. And I really like looking at the stories of Peter because Peter is just so human. And we often take the Bible characters and we put them in this sterile location and, and we look at them as perfect. No, Peter was deeply flawed and he was very human. He was very emotional and that speaks a good thing because so are you. He understands your emotions. He understands your shortcomings. And in those moments, Peter learned how to overcome and triumph anyway in spite of the weakness of his flesh. But Jesus said to them, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. And the Greek word that used there for temptation is pereamos. Pere, that one. He said, and in it's a mental state by which we are enticed to sin or to lapse from faith. Basically what that's saying, he's saying watch and pray. Don't allow yourself to be disconnected it's not just to do the wrong thing if we're caught tired if we're caught out of where we're supposed to be we can be enticed to disconnect from what the Lord has called us to connect to which is why I love Paul's statement in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 27 he says I discipline my body or he said, I do something about my flesh. I bring it into subjection. This lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disconnected or disqualified. So what Paul is saying, he's saying, I take care that I don't let my flesh rule me. Because I don't want to tell somebody else that they can do it and then me fail because I let go because my flesh was speaking. Come on, our flesh speaks loud sometimes, right? You get down to pray, and your stomach goes, I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm like, shut up. I want food now. Or this is a good one for me. I don't like being on my knees. <laughs> this hurts. Why don't you go maybe like lay on the couch while you do this? Come on, our flesh will speak to us. If you don't learn to keep it under control, it'll rule you. And we know it has a voice. Come on. 
I stubbed my toe the other day, and man, you, you know in those moments that your body has a voice. Just as much as your spirit has a voice. It hit, and it screamed loud. Ah! Actually, that reminds me of your story. Pastor Robin, a long time ago, was walking through our family room in the, in the dark, and uh, we had this uh, fireplace mantle that kind of kind of stuck out on the ground. And, and uh, he was going by and caught the two outside toes on it. <laughs> and uh, Pastor Wendy was like, heard him screaming from the other room and came in. Like, What's going on? What's wrong? And uh, what do you want me to do? And he said, just point all the toes in the right direction. <laughs> Your flesh has a voice. And it'll speak to you when you're in the tough points. It'll say, I'm tired. And you say, shut up. This is a time we need to pray. This is a time where we need to speak the word. This is a time where we need to connect with what the Lord has spoken over us. It doesn't matter how tired I get. It doesn't get, matter how hungry I get. It doesn't matter how loud everything else screams. We are going to go forward and do what he told us to do. Because I am what he says I am. And I can do what he says I can do. Hallelujah. So let's go over to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. And here in 1 Kings 19, we have a story of the prophet Elijah. And just to give you a little bit of backstory of what's been going on in his life, the Lord spoke to him and he said, You command the sky not to rain. And so he did it. And the Lord said, it's not going to rain until you tell it to again. And so he's spoken to the, the sky not to rain. And it's been about three and a half years since it's rained. So the land is now in a drought. Everything is in short supply. But the Lord has been supplying for the prophet Elijah miraculously, time after time after time. And he gets to this point where he calls out the prophets of Baal because the children of Israel have left from serving God and they began to serve Baal. And they're following after King Ahab. They're following after what Jezebel would want them to do as she leads them astray. And so the prophet Elijah confronts the prophets of Baal and says, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to build an altar over here. You're going to build an altar over here, and then you call on Baal and tell him to shoot down fire from heaven and consume it, and I'll call from heaven to God, and he'll shoot down fire and consume mine. And so the prophets of Baal were up first, and they began to cry out to Baal, come on, you know, help us, we need you in the moment. They were cutting themselves, they were crying, and Elijah was standing off to the side, and he was mocking them, he's like, Oh, I, I guess he must not be around right now, guys. I, I guess he must be in the bathroom. Or maybe he's gone off on a far journey, and so he's mocking them. And uh, so they have their time. No fire comes from heaven because the, Baal is not God. And it comes to his turn, and he's got his sacrifice over here. And he says, you know what, guys? Let's make it damp. And he said, bring all your water supplies and begin to dump it onto the altar. Come on, this would take some faith right here. It's been in a drought for three and a half years. And now, Elijah, you're telling me to dump the last of our water onto this altar? And he said, yep, just keep going. Do it. Make it wetter. Make it wetter. And he called on the Lord, and the Lord shot down fire and consumed the, the burnt offering. 
And I just like, now, this is a good point for us to have a reckoning. They said their God is God. Where's his fire? Take all of these prophets of Baal and let's kill them right now. And so Elijah has this big victory over the prophets of Baal. But what happens next? Jezebel finds out about it. Finds out that he's killed all of her prophets. And he says, she sends word to Elijah and says, next time I see you, I'm going to kill you. Come on. And so what he does is he stands up and confronts Jezebel. No, no, he doesn't. He's just, he's just had this great victory, and he takes off, and he runs away. And that's where we find him in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4. He says, but he himself, he went about a day's journey into the wilderness. And he came and he sat down under the broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. And said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Come on, Elijah is in a deep spot here. Lord, I'm done. Kill me now. And you're thinking, you know, as reading through chapter 18, it's like you just had this great victory, and now you're saying, God, kill me? But I love what happens next. Verse 5 says, Then as he lay and slept under the broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And then he looked, and there by his head was a cake that was baked on the coals and a jar of water. And so he ate and he drank and he laid down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. And so he arose and he ate and he drank and he went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. This is the great moment of the Bible where it's like, just eat a Snickers. <laughs> you know why? He was complaining. He was whining, Lord, kill me now. And God knew what the solution was. You need a nap? Here's some food. Come on. I said Peter is very human. God understands what you need and when you need it. And the solution in this moment wasn't for Elijah to pray a little harder, to seek the Lord a little harder. No, what he needed was have a nap and eat some food. What I'm talking about this morning is your flesh will scream louder than you will often give it credit for. You, we are often driven by our own passions and our own desires, our own wants, more than what God wants. And so what the solution to Elijah's problem wasn't more of God, but he had a very natural thing that needed to be supplied. And when we allow ourselves to get worn down and broken down, we abuse our bodies and we don't take care of them and rest when we need to rest. When it comes time for the fight, you may not be ready for the fight. Come on, we're talking about something very natural today. We often look at faith as something that is so spiritual, but when you're worn down and you're tired out, the fight is going to be that much harder. That's why the Bible talks about taking care of ourselves. 
It says that somebody who's going to be in the army, it says they train. Somebody who's going to run a race, they train. Why? So that when they get out, they don't get worn down. And sometimes in life, we need to do training before the fact so that I'm ready to believe when it comes time to believe. When the Lord says, this is what I want you to do, we don't go, I'm tired. Not now. I'm busy. I've got other things to do. We check our flesh and we press on and do what he told us to do. And so Elijah goes for 40 days and 40 nights on that rest and that food that the Lord provided for him. And in verse 9 it says, There at the mountain of God he went into a cave, and he spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And so he responds and says, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've torn down your altars and killed your prophets by the sword. And I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. This is more of Elijah's complaining. Because even what he's saying right now in this moment isn't actually true. He's saying, all of Israel has rejected you. I'm the only one. The Lord goes on to correct him and say, no, actually, there's several thousand beyond you, so stop having your pity party, Elijah. And sometimes we think it's worse than it is because we're looking at the wrong things. Elijah's focus here is they've broken the covenant, they've turned down the altar, they've killed the prophets, I'm alone and they want to kill me. He's focusing on the wrong things. The Lord had called him to take care of that situation. He had called him to break that cycle that had been over the nation. He had not called him to go and say, God, here's my report about what's going on. No, he had been sent to give the Lord's report. And so the Lord says back to him, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold... The Lord passed by, and a great strong wind tore into the mountain and broke the rocks into pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And so there's a lot of banging, there's got a lot of clanging, but the Lord was quick to point out, I'm not in the thunder, I'm not in the fire, I speak quietly to you. What he was saying to Elijah was, you've been listening to the loud things. I speak the quiet and sure You are looking at what they did. I want you to look at what I said. And so he speaks to him in that still, small voice. And that's how the Lord speaks. If you're waiting for him to split the heavens and call out from the and have a bunch of angels dance and trumpets go, that's not how he speaks. When we quiet ourselves down, when we tell our flesh to shut up, 
he speaks from the inside. He speaks the word that is true, the word that is sure, the word that brings peace and comfort when you need it. So he speaks that still small voice, and it says, so it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in the mantle and he went out and he stood in the entrance of the cave. What did he do? He wrapped that mantle around and he was hiding his face from God because he realized the place where I'm standing is holy. The Lord is right here. But do you know that the Lord was right there the whole time? But his flesh was keeping him from recognizing it. And it says, suddenly the voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And so he goes back to his speech. Well, I've been very zealous, Lord, because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They've killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left. And they seek to take my life. And the Lord says to him, oh, that's so bad. I'm so sorry to hear that, Elijah. No, he says, go. Return, meaning you're running away. Get back to where I told you to be. Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Hazael king over Syria. What he said to him was, Get back doing what you're supposed to be doing. Stop your complaining. I don't care if you feel like you're alone. You're not. I don't care if they're all going to kill you. I'll protect you. Go and get back out there and do what you were called to do. Come on. Your connection is having greater impact in your life than you give it credit for. When the man came to Jesus and he said, Jesus... I've got my son. He's possessed. Your, your, your disciples couldn't do anything about it. And he said, if you can do anything. And the Lord said right back to him, if I can, no. If you can believe. And so oftentimes, we're looking for the Lord like the Lord's connection is the one that's missing. He will never let up. He will never give up. He will never shut up. He will never stop his side of it. He is always for you. He is never against you. His word over is you. This is that you will be the head and not the tail. That you will be above and not beneath. That you'll be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. Whatever you put your hand to do will bless. All that you, wherever you put your foot shall be yours. His connection on you never lets up, never gives up. And we just need to all go ahead and flip the flip of faith and say, yes, Lord, I am blessed in the city. I am blessed in the country. I'm blessed when I come. I'm blessed when I go. I'm blessed wherever I find myself doing. And wherever I am, that's where your blessing will be because I know you're there. We need to have that moment in the, in the cave just like Elijah did. Wrap your cloak around your face and say, Lord, you are here and I will not be moved. I'm here to hear your voice and I'm here to believe it. Amen? So your connection is having a greater impact in your life than you give it credit for. So we watch over our words just like he watches over his word to perform it. I watch over my words to align it. And so when the Lord says, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch, I don't say, but I'm tired. I say, yes, Lord, I will do it.
Let's turn over to Mark chapter 5, and we'll wrap up with Mark 5. Let's look at someone who would not let their connection be severed. In Mark chapter 5, verse 25, it says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians, and she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd, and she touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. That's her laying that connection on. She heard about Jesus. What did she hear? We don't know. It doesn't tell us. But we knew from all his other miracles that the blind were seeing, the lame were walking, people were getting up, people were getting restored. That's probably what she heard. And so when she heard about Jesus, her connection of faith was, all I have to do is get there and touch him. I don't even need to have him involved. All I'm going to do is just lay hands on his hem of his garment and I will be made whole. And it says immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, he turned around in the crowd and said, who touched me? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging or pressing against you, and you say, who touched me? Everybody's touching you is what they were saying. And Jesus said, no, this is not just a regular touch. This is not just a bump. This is someone has laid hold and made a connection. Because Jesus wasn't even involved in making this miracle happen. This miracle happened because a woman had a faith on the inside of her that if I can only get to Jesus and lay hold of that garment, I will be made whole. So where is your fight? And where is your tenacity? Where's the point where you're going to connect with the promises of God? If he said it, go ahead and say, it is so. I lay hold. I lay hold of my faith and I connect. And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Daughter, your faith, your connection has made you well. Come on, your connection on the promises of God will make you well. Your connection on the promises of God will make a way where there is no way. Your connection on the promises of God will cause you to prosper while everybody around you is going under. Your connection on the promises of God will cause miracles to flood into your life. Because his connection never lets up. Your connection just needs to be, I'm going to get my flesh out of the way. I'm going to stop talking about how tired I am or how depressed I am or how anxious I am or how sick I am or how broke I am. I'm going to change the but and stop saying, but God, I'm tired and start saying, but God, who is rich in mercy with his great love with which he loves us. I'm going to change my but in the right area and I'm going to start connecting to the things that he's called me 
to connect to. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word is true, your word is sure, that you said that your word is not void of power, that it goes forth to do that which it was sent to accomplish. And so we thank you for your word. And Holy Spirit, we ask that it would take root down in our hearts this day so that when we need it in this upcoming week, this upcoming month, this upcoming year, whenever we may need it, Lord, we ask that it would rise back to the surface, ready to meet the occasion and we thank you for it in Jesus name amen and amen I am connected to God go ahead and say that I am connected to God hallelujah pastor Robin bring us in for a landing praise God so let's connect with our tithes and offerings it's offering time hallelujah and I like to, we have, we receive faith by what we hear, amen? You want faith? You got to hear what the Word of God says, amen? Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So let's take a little chunk of that Word and say this together. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Amen. Well, we have a, two things we can do here. There's obedience and then there's the promise, receiving the promise. Amen. So let's, let's, let's just pray. Father, as we participate in kingdom matters, we claim kingdom promises in our finances. Thank you for your supernatural increase. Thank you for being involved in our financial matters as we give you access through the seed we have sown. We connect our obedience to the promise. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Uh, Word Care Team, you, oh, there you are. If you need prayer or minister, get ministered to, come connect with these guys. They'll help you connect to the promise.